Welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and today's guest is Lance Ruby, a musician and guitar teacher who has really been making the most of all of this social distancing. Lance offers virtual guitar lessons. He's toured with a lot of great bands, and so he has some fantastic stories. We're also diving into top guitar players to check out, and if you've ever wanted to learn how to play guitar, Lance has got your back. I mean, he's here. He's got lots of good advice and tips for you to check out, and if you don't have like some new musicians to listen to by the end of the show, you got to go back and listen, because Lance is just dropping all this knowledge on us, and you'd do well to check everything out. If you want to get in touch with Good People, Cool Things, you can do so in a couple different ways. Twitter and Facebook at GPCT Podcast and via email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. You can also just check out the goodpeoplecoolthings.com website. There's a beautiful little contact form in there. It's next to a smiling picture of me, but I'm smiling a lot of the times, including right now, their conversation with Lance. Let's start. I think this should be an easy one for you, but can you give us a, just a quick scoop on all of your projects? Because it seems like you're up to quite a lot lately. Yeah, I have I have a ton of stuff. I, I love working with multiple projects and I've sort of taken that <laughs> almost too far, you could say. But yeah, so my main creative project right now is a, is a rock band called Musketeer Gripweed. And um, I'm also in a band called Graham Good and the Painters, which is an awesome group. And uh, I tour a lot with various country artists, but um, my main gig lately has been an awesome country singer named Boda Pena. And let's see, yeah, I, I think for right now, that's all the groups I'm in. I could be, oh, and I'm also in a, uh, <laughs> I'm in a New Orleans funk band called Crescent City Connection. Fantastic. And you're also teaching on yes. top of all this too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And that's really, I mean, during this kind of crazy quarantine time, that's really what's been keeping me afloat is that, you know, my my life previous to the quarantine was like, I taught all week. And then on the weekends, I gigged every weekend. So basically, my weekends are now fully free. And my week <laughs> is still super busy. <laughs> Fantastic. Have you uh, partaken in any of the virtual uh, concert performances that have kind of been taken over the internet over the past few months yes yeah really early on i did one with my band musketeer gripweed and i did one with graham good and the painters and then i did one just solo and so they've been a lot of fun they're definitely not the same feeling as playing live it's definitely a a, a different scenario but um they're still fun yeah and it's it's I think it's fun to see just kind of people's uh, home studios during this, or uh, if they do go out and about. I remember seeing uh, Bare Naked Ladies doing one that was, uh, one of them was out on like a frozen lake, and one was <laughs> up kind of on a mountain, and just a very uh, Canadian type of uh, nice. virtual concert there. Uh, though I imagine that'd be very cold and uh, probably, a, probably a good hint that maybe that's not live. Cause I, <laughs> I would expect a lot of wind if you're on top of a frozen lake in the middle of winter. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely have done all of mine from the comfort of my own house, which, <laughs> you know, I'm not going out on any frozen lakes anytime soon. It's probably for the best. It seems, I uh, seems a little more ambitious than I think we need to be. <laughs> But good for the bare naked ladies. I'm glad they're uh, I'm glad they're doing stuff. Yes, it's also yeah, it's also kind of been a nice way to be like, oh, the like these bands that I like, I listened to bare naked ladies growing up. I I'm glad they're still kicking it. I know they've lost uh, one of their original members, but hey, you know what? Still making music, still making people happy. That's all I can ask for. Yeah, and and that's been a very interesting thing, even for me. Like I'm pretty in the know about a lot of music especially in my area but you know hearing hearing people that maybe just because of my gigging schedule I haven't had a chance to go see them do their live thing it's been really awesome to see other musicians especially like you say like in their home studios in their environment where they're really comfortable uh 
you know, I, I always say that I play way better in my, in, in my bedroom than I do on stage. So <laughs> now, now I get a chance to see like everybody play in their bedroom, <laughs> which is kind of fun. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I, I would agree with that. Um, but I at least try to make up for it on stage by running around a lot. <laughs> hopefully people aren't listening if I, you know, if I mess up here or there. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. So going way back, first time you picked up a guitar, do you remember the first thing that you played? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was probably kind of just learning chords, but do you remember the first song where you're like, oh, I feel comfortable playing this? And then you, you got through it? Yes, I do. This is a Excellent. great question. I uh, The first thing I ever learned on the guitar was ACDC's Ain't No Noise Pollution. Ooh. And uh, that's... Uh, and and then I proceeded to learn that whole album, the Back in Black album. That was my first like thing I did on the guitar. Was I learned all the songs, and then a little later I learned all the solos. And uh, yeah, yeah. Was there a particular reason for that, or was it just like I like this? I want to learn how to play it. Well, <laughs> when, <laughs> when when I was a kid, like you know, I I don't know why. I don't I don't know when iTunes or any of those things kind of came out, but my I grew up in a really small town, a really rural town in Utah, and basically the only way I could get CD or yeah CDs was like in my mom's grocery shopping trip to like beg her to buy me a CD from Walmart. <laughs> and I just remember Back in Black was the first CD I ever bought, and I just fully fell in love with it. I thought the guitar was so cool. I thought Angus Young was so cool. Later, I thought Malcolm Young was so cool. And yeah, I was just super inspired by that album when I was a kid. And it was just like everything. I listened to it every day. I thought it was so awesome. So when I finally got a guitar, those were that was the stuff I wanted to learn. That's awesome. I, I Sometimes I miss the days of CDs. Like it's great to discover all this new music nowadays that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. But there's just like no better feeling of the first time you open up a CD and like looking at the liner notes, seeing the artwork. Yeah. I'd always be so disappointed if it was just like a generic, like gray disc with like the real tiny font of like, Oh, here's what you're listening to. Um, Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and two things like I, I really miss the CD days because like I said, like I listened to back in black, like I can still sing all the lyrics. I can sing all the solos. I can probably still play a lot of the solos too. And a lot of the songs, but like I just I dove deep into that album and I see it a lot with my students nowadays like they'll find something cool on YouTube and they'll check it out for that afternoon and then they never revisit it again or if they do it's like they're trying to find new stuff you know yeah like back in the CD days I feel like a part of my development as a guitar player was only having three or four CDs and just wearing them out and just really diving deep into those records yeah, that's a terrific point. And it's I mean, I YouTube doesn't make it easy with the related videos coming up and then you're you're, you know, 20 minutes later you're down a completely different rabbit hole. Exactly. And yeah, and sometimes don't even know how to get back to where you were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it's I remember like one night I just decided to log my YouTube rabbit hole. Ooh. And it, <laughs> it's a dangerous it, game. <laughs> yeah, if anybody else has this problem we're talking about, just conduct this experiment write down like the first video you start with and then just let yourself naturally like go where you want and then write down like the last video you got to and it's astonishing <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember where you started and ended when you did this yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i started out listening to um the the led zeppelin bbc sessions which are awesome and i listen okay. to them all the time and I ended up on um, earwax removal videos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the algorithm wanted me to see those, but I, I remember I clicked on one of the videos and I watched a second of it. And I was like, I've had enough internet today. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when you know that you, you have that moment where it's just like, yep, internet we're 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 done for the day yeah we're pulling the e-break we're done here (laughs) (laughs) i will say i 
I don't know if you've ever listened to this. I, I am a huge fan of this. I think uh, most people tend to not be when I share it with them. But um, way back in the day, Patton Oswald tweeted about the Chipmunks um, Christmas song, Slow Down. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's just, I mean, it sounds like a bunch of drunk teenagers. Dave sounds like the spawn of Satan. It's yeah. <laughs> very delightful, but still like really good harmonies. Like those Chipmunks have good harmonies. Yeah. <laughs> And for whatever reason, the uh, related videos that pop up for that are just like all over the map, but also wildly entertaining. So somehow <laughs> YouTube's like, you know what? This is just weird enough, but in a different way that you're going to like it. And yeah. it's, been, it's been pretty spot on. <laughs> That's Oh, well, one more thing I wanted to say about CD is sorry to, mm-hmm. sorry to left turn like that. But no, um, no. yeah, like you said, the artwork, like I remember I discovered like iron maiden just because like that row in walmart just had the coolest art and you know otherwise nobody was going to tell me to go check out iron maiden (laughs) you know and and one more thing is that uh walmart i don't know if this was the case everywhere but utah is a very conservative place so like the the a lot of cds like if the uh cover was way too risque they would have like alternate covers for them and Ooh. yeah, I remember in high school, there was a new band that came out and I remember seeing their music video on YouTube and thinking it was like pretty cool. And I wanted to go buy the CD and it was a band called Wolf Mother. I don't know if you remember them. I do. I, yeah. I don't know if I can name any other songs, but I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. So I remember I went down to Walmart and they had like one copy of the Wolf Mother CD. And it, I was so disappointed because it was just black and it just said Wolf Mother like in their <laughs> font and i was like oh man but you know this band was kind of cool they kind of sounded like led zeppelin i was a huge led zeppelin fan so i was like i'm gonna go home and check this out and then as soon as i open it up i realize that there's the cover is just a thin piece of paper and you pull that off and it's this like awesome oil painting of like this naked woman riding an octopus (laughs) and i was like yeah this is yeah this is awesome (laughs) Oh, that's amazing that they went to the trouble to, I know, <laughs> to block <right>? it out. <laughs> but it was like it was like the best way to resolve that situation. I was so bummed out about their album cover, and then it turns out it was exactly what thirteen-year-old me wanted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm also a big fan of uh, just liner notes. Um, oh yeah, of like. Especially if they're kind of, I mean, obviously, like, you get the lyrics, but if they're kind of fun, too. Like, I feel like on B-side uh, or compilation albums, you'd get this a decent amount where they're just like, oh, yeah, we wrote this song. When, like, I went skateboarding and, like, broke my leg and then uh, wrote this song while I was in the emergency room getting surgery done on my leg. <laughs> just like, what? That's so awesome. I mean, in my opinion, the best liner notes that exist are on every single Frank Zappa album. Like (laughs) that that dude just wrote the best liner notes for everything. And they made zero sense. And I don't remember any of them. I can't like recite any of them, but I can tell you that if you want a great time, just go buy like Zappa vinyls and read the liner notes. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, he had a great time doing this too. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember like, okay maybe i remember one specifically just because it jumped out to me but like there's uh the the album shut up and play your guitar which is awesome in the in the liner notes he's explaining that like no uh record label wants to carry his albums anymore but he wants to do mail he started his own record label and how he's going to do it is by like mail order records so like if you want the new Frank Zappa album, you have to like fill this thing out and send it back to him. And just how he's like describing <laughs> the, the hideous monsters that are the record companies is is awesome. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so good. I I remember a Weird Al album that I had that had I uh, just like a really long last track and I. Uh, I think this it, this must have been uh, his Running With Scissors album, okay. which uh, was 
junior high for me, I think. Oh, uh, and that's, maybe, that's the yeah. perfect age for Weird Al, isn't it? Like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was, uh, this was like before the time when you could just easily look up lyrics on the internet. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, he has a song on the end of that album called Albuquerque. That's like an 11 and a half minute song <laughs> about how he goes to Albuquerque. Uh, and I won't spoil it for anyone that hasn't listened, but it's quite the adventure. So I <laughs> recommend checking it out. But the uh, the liner notes for it, he starts writing the lyrics and he gets like eight lines into the song. And then it's like, you know what? Like, we're going to run out of room here. You know, I probably should have thought this out better and added another piece of paper or use smaller font or something. But I guess you're uh, you're just going to have to listen really carefully and try and, <laughs> try and figure everything out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's kind of a sad thing that sort of all that is lost now. You know, like I remember when I was a kid, like, you know, it, like what I was talking about before with Back in Black, like I quickly learned all the guys' names in ACDC, you know? Yeah. I knew what they looked like. And and now if I find a new band on Spotify or whatever, I have no idea the names of the guys in the band. I have no, you know, and, and then I'm looking at the album art in like a thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's tiny and you know, it, I just remember that being a thing that I, if you're a fan of music, that's the stuff that's, that's like the, the stuff you get nerdy about, you know? Oh, for sure. And then I like to play the game sometimes too, especially with newer artists that I don't, I'm not as familiar with of, cause you kind of picture what someone looks like based on how they sound. And yeah then going to the music video and watching it and it's like oh no i was way off here yeah yeah i've definitely played that game a couple times and then either either been happy or very disappointed (laughs) (laughs) do you have an example of being very disappointed oh man i remember like i this is so old i don't know if anybody will remember this but iTunes used to give away free songs. Like they would have like a free song of the month or something like that. And this this went on for a while, maybe like two years. And I found this band called like Silver Fin or Silver Fang, something like that. And they were like, you know, they were just exactly what I was listening to. They were like ACDC, Led Zeppelin, that type of band, like kind of a classic rock band. Mm-hmm. And I I clicked, I found a music video on YouTube and I was just like, what? (laughs) Like the, the dudes in the band were like the bedazzled jeans. It was like very, I'm pretty sure there was like a lot of eyeliner. It was very (laughs) strange. Oh, and the same thing, probably the biggest disappointment I had was uh, My Chemical Romance. I know that's probably the opposite for everybody. (laughs) But I heard the tune Teenagers, and if you just hear that song, it just sounds like a, a gutsy, like, blues rock tune. Mm-hmm. And I was obviously super into that stuff. And then I click on the video, and they're, like, all goth and emoed up. They have, like, face paint on. You know, that was a very disappointing time for <laughs> 15-year-old Lance. <laughs> <laughs> I remember... I. I, I don't know if you got uh, Fuse TV. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Formerly Much Music. Um, and I, I feel like My Couple of Romance was like come on the up and up when I was most watching that. So I feel like my first exposure to them was via video. But I definitely get how if you hear them first, it's like you, ha- you have an idea in your mind, especially with teenagers. Um, I would say some of their other songs, I'm like, that's exactly how I would expect them yeah to to look and act (laughs) and and i was like you know just checking out like the led zeppelin discography and like black sabbath i those were the bands i loved and then when i heard teenagers on the radio i was like oh awesome this band is kind of doing that and then when i heard (laughs) you know so i listened to the song on the radio and i was like this is awesome and i remember like hearing the dj say the name my chemical romance and then like later that night getting on my mom's old like you know off-white pc like typing it in and then just seeing this like you know emo (laughs) (laughs) you you know like everybody knows what they look like so i was just like oh man i was hoping that they would like you know look like led zeppelin or whatever (laughs) (laughs) 
And then you get a band like, I don't know why I was on this music video the other day, but uh, Dragon Force, uh, Through the Fire and Flames, a a true classic where everything about that music video is 100% what I would expect that band to do. Yeah, a bunch of nerdy dudes with long hair. That's exactly what that band is. Yeah, average hair length down to the back. Uh, I think during there's like a guitar solo off between the two guitarists and one of them's just like chugging a beer while the other one's playing. Yes. Yeah, I remember I remember thinking that video was so cool, especially because that came out like right around the time I started playing guitar. So mm-hmm. obviously I couldn't play any of that stuff because it is super hard. Um, but I, yeah, I, yeah, that guy's name is Sam Topman, by the way. That's how nerdy I got about that. Oh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, Sam Topman is playing a, an Ibanez Iceman and he's drinking a beer like middle of his solo. And I'm just like, <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> and nowadays, if I if I were to try that, I'd just either the guitar would fall somehow, or the beer would get knocked over, <laughs> and down to pick it up and kick it over, and oh yeah, everything gets shorted out. <laughs> I've I've spilled so many beers on pedal boards; it's not even funny. <laughs> At least you're doing it. It's the worst when someone else knocks into it, and <laughs> they're just like. You're like, come on, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And and that definitely happens. I always love, especially when you're playing one of these stages that is not high enough. Like, in my mind, a proper, like, if you're playing a festival, the stage should be about shoulder length to the average human. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, when you when you have a, when you're playing on a stage, like in a bar or something that's like table heights, and people immediately decide to set their drinks on the stage because it's table hype. <laughs> That's like the most annoying thing. <laughs> There's so many tables here. You can you yeah. can go to a table. This this is this is one stage with 90 tables and all of those tables will work for your drink. This one particular table hype thing does not work for your drink. <laughs> Well, this might segue nicely because I always ask, I always enjoy asking musicians this, but what's the worst gig that you've ever played? Oh man, there are so many. (laughs) Everyone is worse than the last. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay. I'll I'll give you two because they're both pretty bad. So I, when, when I was really just starting out, like I was getting my undergrad degree in music in Utah. And I, uh, I got an email out of the blue that said, hey, I, I am booking music at this sushi restaurant near you. We want live jazz. And I was studying jazz at the time. So I was like, cool. And I, I remember I go there, I set up, it was like me and a, another, it was like a duo gig. So it was just two of us. And we play the first song and the manager comes up to us and he does not speak English but I can tell he's disappointed in what we're doing. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know what he wants differently. So we play the next song and then the manager comes back with a, a young girl and she's now translating for him that they want happy jazz and we are playing sad jazz. <laughs> and <laughs> I just remember like, we played like an hour's worth of like, you know, jazz songs in major keys. And then we still had like an hour and a half left to go of the gig. And I was like, all the other tunes I know are in minor key, dude. We just got to suck it up. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to be happy. So that was bad. Anytime like somebody hires you, especially for an event, and they don't like the music you're playing, that is a rough gig. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if they did not tell you, like, if that guy had said, we want happy jazz, which, you know, what does that even mean? But if they had said, we want happy jazz, then I could have like put together a set list of happy jazz or whatever. <laughs> but the, 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 some of the worst gigging experiences is like, I got hired for a thing and they want something way different. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the, the other, I mean, it, when I first started touring, I remember my friends and I from who were in this band we called this the tour from hell 
because everything that could go wrong did. So like we, we go to the first gig, right? We're, 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 it was a Colorado based band and our first gig was in South Dakota and we go to South Dakota and that night, halfway through our set, the stage collapses on us. Oh no. Like they had like a rinky dink, like aluminum, like piece together stage and it fell. <laughs> and then we were just like, okay, we're going to let the place fix the stage for us and then we'll play the rest of the set. And they decided to fix it with like um, milk cartons. They just got like a bunch of milk cartons and stacked them on top of each other. And those were the support system for the stage. Seems safe. Yeah. To yeah, totally safe. So then that happened. And then on the way to the next gig, our van broke down. Specifically, we lost the brake pump. So the brakes did not work. So that's horrifying. And then we ended up renting a, uh, an SUV because there was no way our van was going to be fixed in time. And we got to the next gig like an hour late because of the rental process. Also, we didn't realize that the time changed from South Dakota to the other side of South Dakota. And Oh, uh, it's one of those states. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we did not realize that. So we were, we were late to the gig. And we ended up playing and it was great because it really felt like we had overcome quite a bit to get to that gig. So that gig felt awesome. But yeah, just everything that could go wrong on that little run did. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully you came out stronger on the other side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, uh, I, I, I started uh, touring way differently. <laughs> <laughs> I realized if you show up to the band leader's house and he starts telling you about like the great deal he got on the van, it's probably not going to go great. <laughs> oh, other, one other hidden feature of that story is that he didn't have enough uh, chairs in the van for all of us to sit down. And so he was like, oh, I have the chairs out back. Let me go grab them. And he grabbed chairs and they were chairs from a different vehicle. So they didn't like lock into place. Oh, <laughs> So he just like got like, I forgot, I forgot all the things we did, but I remember like tying them down. <laughs> there was a rock involved to try and like hold the seat down. But like every time you move the, the chair would basically fall over. So that was, that was a fun time. <laughs> yeah. That seems real secure. <laughs> yeah. That was a great situation. I can tell you that since then, like the, the touring situation has gotten just better and better each time, but. Yeah, those first couple runs with like random different groups was um, pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a go-to uh, snack or meal that you do just about every tour? Or does it kind of depend on where you are? Yes, I do. And I, I, get, I get crap for it every single time. <laughs> because so I have, I have celiac uh, disease or okay. so I can't have gluten so my go-to is I always have this little red cooler and I have a loaf of gluten-free bread a jar of peanut butter and then like all the slim jims and like meat sticks that are like on sale at the grocery store the day before I leave so my my cooler is just full of like bread peanut butter and like a billion slim jims <laughs> <laughs> Well, Randy Macho Man Savage would be very proud of you. <laughs> yeah, dude, snap into a Slim Jim. That's that's <laughs> that's what I'm about. <laughs> Do you also bring them up on stage? I feel like that would be kind of a a nice uh, stage presence there. Snap into a Slim Jim, toss the other half into the crowd, <laughs> get into the first song. <laughs> I never thought about that, but that's awesome. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely have ate Slim Jims like during the set break. Nice. That's been a look for me. Is like just hiding out somewhere just eating slim jims <laughs> <laughs> all part of a well-balanced diet for yeah sure. <laughs> well and the other i mean the other thing is that the slim jims are so long that they don't fit into my cooler right so i have to bend all of them so like all my slim jims like come out in like a l shape <laughs> <laughs> oh that's magical <laughs> <laughs> So moving from touring to teaching, I, yeah. it sounds like things are still going just fine because you're used to 
doing these kind of virtual lessons. Um, but has the past few months really uh, changed the way that you approach teaching, or are you still kind of taking it the same that you've always done? Well, one really interesting thing that has been a result of this quarantine is that normally when, you know, the students come over to my house or the school that I teach at or the store I teach at, like I write something in their notebook or I, I write something on a piece of paper and hand it to them. And since all the lessons have been over Skype, I have all the, I, I basically do the same thing, but I take a picture and I send it to them. So I've had all my notes from my teaching here at my house and I was just flipping through them and I realized that, um, you know, I have repeats. Like, of course my lessons are very focused on what my students want to learn, but there's just an amount of stuff that everybody has to learn. So what I've been doing is slowly converting my notes that are repeats into formal packets. I'm sort of writing guitar books, like guitar method books. Um, none of them are like all encompassing, like how to play the guitar, but they're on specific topics. So I just finished up writing a packet on like my scale and arpeggio system. And I'm going to sort of script and film a video to be a companion to that. And I'm going to start selling them on my website. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool seeing the business ideas that have kind of come out of everyone just having a lot more time at home and having to adapt to a, a more virtual setting. Um, but just seeing some of the creativity coming out of that, like this, you're taking something that, hey, I had this, but I can also use it for other purposes as well and, and help out other people. And that's wonderful. Love seeing the creativity. Yeah. And, and yeah, just seeing like all my buddies ha have these awesome ideas of how to sort of monetize this time has been great. And I've noticed in my teaching, I've actually gained a lot of students during this time because there are still people working. There's still people with income coming in. And since they're stuck at home, guitar lessons online sounds like a great idea. So yeah, overall the teaching, it, it hasn't slowed down. In fact, it's built up during this time, which has been a blessing. That's awesome. And as far as the teaching goes, is there, um, I know you mentioned arpeggios and scales. Um, is there a type of uh, exercise or um, just a, a general tip that you think more guitar players should be doing or using? Oh man, where to start? <laughs> uh, well, it, and funny enough, this ties into what we're talking about. I don't, I don't see enough of my students diving deep into the music they love. You know, like if I have a student that comes in and says, Hey, I love the Allman brothers. Uh, I'll go like, okay, cool. What uh, are some of your favorite albums? And it's like, you know, they name three of them or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, I, I'll play something that I've transcribed, meaning like I learned it from ear and either wrote it down or didn't. The music kind of changed that word, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll play them straight, something that I transcribed from the guy that they're saying is their hero and they, they won't recognize it, you know? Hmm. So... I, I just, I wish that the idea of learning stuff, stealing, not stealing, but like taking stuff from the records you love and using it in your own music, however you decide to do that. You know, I teach guitar players and specifically I teach a lot of people trying to become lead guitar players or, you know, improvising guitar players. And I'm always shocked on how timid and like, people resist the idea of taking stuff that they love and learning from it and also applying it to what they do. Hmm, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. And I, the, the idea of like deconstructing and diving deep into a song just reminded me again, we've going back to YouTube here. <laughs> uh, the, um, Rick Beato series of uh, why this song why is it? I think it's just called why this song is awesome or something like that yeah um and yeah he'll just pick a song and it 
uh, I mean, sometimes it's like a half hour episode and I'm just like, I, I'm so impressed that there's that much to say about this song, but he'll, he'll deconstruct, um, you know, a line or two or, I point out different things that are going on in the background. I learned in the Blink-182 song, all the small things, there's a synth part during the chorus that, I mean, I I had that CD growing up. I've essentially been listening to all the small things for more than 20 years mm-hmm. and never knew there was a synth part in there. I just never picked it up when I was listening to it. And then when it was isolated by itself, I like can't not hear it now when I'm listening to the totally. song. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you know this, but on the old... Led Zeppelin recording specifically um, since I've been loving you, you can hear the bass uh, John Bonham's bass drum pedal squeak, like it was uh, it was squeaky. Uh, and I remember like yeah, like I had heard that recording forever and never picked up on it. And then one of my friends was saying, like a drummer friend of mine was saying that like I can't believe they didn't do they didn't just like oil the kick drum pedal. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's, it squeaks. Every time he hits it in the song, you can hear a mechanic squeaking noise right before the bass drum hits. And once I heard that, every time I hear that song, all I hear is the bass drum pedal squeaking. <laughs> oh, man, I need to go listen to this now. <laughs> yeah, that's another like hidden thing. There's tons of those, though, you know. Like the, uh, the Kingsman with Louie Louie, where... The drummer drops an F-bomb because he drops his stick during the <laughs> song. I think that's one of the classic uh, goofs in a song, but uh, you definitely hear something in it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. And we're nearing the end here, so I, I wanted to make sure I asked this question, which I always like to do is asking a question that you wish you were asked more frequently. <laughs> and you said that nobody asks you about your dog, Richard, and that that's a shame. So yeah. tell us all about Richard. How did you find him? How, what, what is he? How old? All that good stuff. I'm so glad you've given me a platform to talk more about my dog. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have a, I have a, a dachshund, a mini yes. dachshund, and his name is Richard. I'm okay. Good, good, good. I'm glad I got that reaction. <laughs> I didn't know if there was more to. It's just a dog well, and Richard. Yeah. You know, I my you can totally edit this part out if this is too much. But my grandpa used to name his dogs like bizarre things, and he had a wiener dog that he named Boner. You know, because that's <laughs> the sort of classy guy he is. And I just, I thought that dog was awesome. I, I thought wiener dogs were awesome. And that dog in particular was so sweet. And so, you know, when I decided I wanted to get a dog, I wanted that kind of dog. And I wanted to do like the classier version of my grandpa's joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice little tribute. It's, it's touching in a juvenile way i like it yeah and that's a, that's exactly what that dog of my grandpa would want is <laughs> uh, uh i am a big dachshund fan as well my oh, cool. first ever dog which i still have i mean this was seven years ago when i got her so not not a super long time ago but she is a chihuahua dachshund mix oh wow uh, so has the uh length and uh I guess her ears are pretty dachshundy too. They're kind of like bat ears. She's okay. often uh, she's often referred to as Dobby by uh, <laughs> other people who have met her for the first time. Uh, and then recently adopted a second dog that's a dachshund Jack Russell Terrier mix, which is apparently called a Jackshund. Uh, <laughs> very awkward to say. It looks okay written down, but saying it out loud, I feel ridiculous every time I say it. Uh, and it's it's great. Um, but I also am a, a big fan. I this is not true with my own dogs, but I love seeing dogs that are, uh, that have human names. Oh yeah. I think Richard is certainly a good, a good qualifier for that. Yeah. I mean, my, my grandpa had some doozies. He would always name his dogs like off things. You know, he, he had a bulldog that um, he named Shafid. And uh, <laughs> if you're an audience member right now, Take a guess on how Shafid is spelled because it sounds like <laughs> an insult meaning like poop head. And uh, he, he just thought that the dog's face looked like that. And that's why his name was Shafid. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the vet visits were fun with that as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he never used 
the name Shafid ever. It was always the other one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, excellent. I'm glad we we have given Richard his due, uh, as well as some other pups, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Richard, Richard is awesome. He's, he's my buddy. I, uh, you know, he, he's been loving this quarantine. Like, I think, I think when things start to go back to normal, Richard's going to be very sad that like his mom and dad aren't just home petting him a hundred percent of the time. Oh yeah. Dog happiness is up. I, at (laughs) least, at least 16 times uh, over the past couple of months. And yeah, it's going to be, I, Certainly, like the the other dog, uh, Merlin, the Jackson. Jackson right. still don't still don't know how to actually say it. Uh, he we adopted him just at the start of March, so basically right before everything went down. Oh wow! Uh, and I think there was maybe like half a day where uh, someone hasn't been home all day, and so he's just he doesn't know anything else besides this. So we'll see how. Uh, that goes but i I think if it's an option i think like you know we bought richard as a puppy and um you know like i was getting i was like finishing up my uh bachelor's degree when we got him and you know i think like especially dogs that you adopt or puppies or whatever the more time like this you can have is awesome so you know i think the quarantine I, I hope it's available. I don't know how safe it is, but I I think if, if somebody's, this is a great time to get a new dog, I think. I agree. And I've seen several people doing that. Um, My so, mom did it. My yeah, mom nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give the new dog a shout out too? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to my boy, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Hello, Max. Yeah. Hope you're listening and getting all the cuddles. Yeah. Why are you listening to this? <laughs> well, I'm sure it's to dive into the top three, uh, which is your top three guitarists. I feel like Max would appreciate some good, <laughs> good discussion around that. Yeah, I've been thinking about this, and you know, my my career my career has been basically just being a chameleon on the guitar is. You know, I, I play in rock groups and funk groups and country groups and soul R and B groups, and so I, I'm I'm very diverse in my playing, and so I wanted my list to reflect that. So my, and this is in no particular order, but my first top three has to go out to Danny Gatton, who I think is undeniably the greatest country guitar player who's ever lived. Even if you're not a big country fan. This this guy was just one of those freak shows of the instrument. He he can play everything, you know. He's just a ridiculous guitar player. It also looks like a, a, a quick Google search. The second image is him using a beer bottle um, as a slide. As a slide, yeah, which uh, is awesome. <laughs> yeah, he did, that was he had all these like gimmicks on stage he would do, and that was one of them. And the funny thing is that the beer, if you watch live footage of him. He never like finished the beer before he did it. So like it would just foam out the top of the like bottleneck. <laughs> so he would play the song that was like the beer slide song. And then the end of the song was him uh, playing the guitar with his hand covered in a rag to wipe off all the beer he had spilt on his guitar. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to check that out. That's, that's some uh, incredible guitar history. And unfortunately, like so many amazing musicians, he, he definitely got more famous after he died. So any chance mm-hmm. I get to tell people about Danny Gatton, I do. Um, I, number two, because I spent a lot of time in school and now playing jazz, um, I got a shout out who I think is one of the best guitar players still living is uh, George Benson. Oh, nice. George Benson is a weird uh, figure in jazz music because everybody knows him as like this pop guy. Like his 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 best selling records are like him singing pop songs. So not many people like dive into his work as a sideman when he was just playing guitar in people's bands. 
and to me that's where the real like juicy stuff is in the george benson discography so uh if you're listening to this and you're a guitar player and you think that george benson is just this like singing pop star guy go check out um oh man oh check out the the george benson cookbook that is that is a record where he's just throwing down for a half hour <laughs> <laughs> and it's a it doesn't have any cooking recipes as well so it's not like you can make something <laughs> while you're while you're uh, playing your guitar well it's funny because like he has a he has a song called the cooker and then he has one other song that's like food related but then the album cover is him and his band in like with a black background and they're all leaning on what looks to be washing machines so there's a lot of mixed messages <laughs> it's called the cookbook there's washing machines on the cover and then there's like food related titles <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean that album and also off the top which was a jimmy smith record that george benson was on that that's a great record because that was recorded in the early 80s when george benson was a massive pop star and he was still practicing all of his like jazz chops. So you get to hear sort of like an evolved version of his early sideman work. Nice. That's so cool. Okay. I guess I have one more. <laughs> um, I don't know if all your guests like thoroughly explain every single person in their top three, but. Um, no, I, li I like when they do. I, sometimes I'll just get a real quick list and I'm like, oh, <laughs> please, <laughs> please expand. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in high school learning like every Jimi Hendrix song and every Jimi Hendrix solo. And, you know, so, so my last person is Jimi Hendrix. Um, I think a lot of people say Jimi Hendrix, but they don't really, you know, like he was like the top guitar player on the Rolling Stone and all this kind of stuff. But Jimi Hendrix is like a weird one for me because I spent a ton of time sort of impersonating Jimi Hendrix on the guitar where like I had learned so much of his stuff that I could emulate him and be like decently convincing. And uh, th there's so many layers to Hendrix's playing because you have such a weird intersection of time happening with Hendrix where you have sort of, you know, popular African-American music at the time was like R&B music, like uh, Curtis Mayfield, people like that. And then you also had like the British blues invasion. And Hendrix is just this perfect amalgamation of both of those things. And like the psychedelic sort of drug influence. It's just this perfect storm because there's so much of that like R&B, Stax, Motown thing in Hendrix's playing, specifically Curtis Mayfield's playing. And then you have all the blues and all the sort of psychedelic blues rock that was happening in England coming over. And, uh, you know, there's just a very like sort of historical lesson we can le learn from Hendrix. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could have talked about Hendrix this entire podcast, so I don't want to spend too much time getting too nerdy about him, but yep, that's my list. So Danny Gatton, George Benson and Jimi Hendrix. Fantastic. I'm taking notes. I hope other people are taking notes and I have some good listening plan for tonight. I'm excited. Oh yeah. And, and just one more thing about Hendrix is if you're a guitar player and you haven't checked out the band of gypsies live record, that's, that's where it's at. That's, that's like the, how to play rock guitar Bible for me at least is the, the band of gypsies live album. Awesome. Yeah. I, I am hundred percent sure my dad had that growing up and i would constantly hear him listening to it and be like "Ooh, this well, is like even before i could process music i was just like oh yeah that's that's impressive play <laughs> well and you know going back to the cds like if you just look up Jimi hendrix on youtube you're gonna see like you know maybe some clips of him playing like the hits right like he'll probably find a video of him playing hey joe or the star spangled banner but there's no way, there's no, to my knowledge, there's no video of that night. There's other videos with the Band of Gypsies, but not that night. There's 
photographs, but no videos. And you, you never would understand Hendrix's greatest record if you never bought the CD and listened to it. And also, I mean, there's a song in there that's like 12 minutes long, <laughs> which <laughs> is not great for like Spotify algorithms or YouTube algorithms. Like a song that length is not recognized today because of the technology that we listen to music on. Yeah, that's a very good point. I remember um, sort of along the same lines, there was uh, on the Credence Clearwater revival album I had growing up, they just randomly stuck. Uh, I heard it through the grapevine, a cover that they'd done in there. That's like, yeah, it's like 11, 12 minutes, something like that. Uh-huh. And, and it's awesome. That guitar, I, that guitar solo is incredible on that album. Yeah. On uh, heard it through the grapevine. Yeah. And it's just like, man, they took this song because Marvin Gaye's version is what, like three minutes, and very short. They just yep. they just took it and and ran with it, and it's just kind of like I think it's kind of I, mean, I think it's towards the end of the album, but it's definitely not the last song. It's just kind of like you know in the middle of the end, I guess. Uh, yeah. And it's it, it like it catches. I remember it caught me off guard the first time. I'm like, this is still the same song. Like they're still playing. That's so cool. So. <laughs> impressive all around well fantastic lance thank you so much for hopping on the podcast uh if people want to get in touch with you either to chat music to learn music or yeah. uh, to pick up some of these new things you have coming out what can uh, how can they find you okay so um the first place you can find me is lanceruby.com that's my website has all my contact information you can hear clips of me playing you can see some of the bands i'm in that's a great place to go. I also, um, you know, have an Instagram, which is at LanceRay335. Um, and yeah, those two places for all things that are Lance Ruby. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again for hopping on. This was fantastic. I always love chatting about music and learned a lot of new things. So I have some homework to do. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, man. It was so much fun. Absolutely. And of course, to play us out. What did the guitar say to the guitarist? What? Pick on someone your own size. Uh, after today, people. Uh... <laughs>